Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli and this is The Week in Doubt. And before we begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Doris Lazada and Judy Taxtall, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, for liking The Week in Doubt Facebook page. Okay, so you're probably thinking, Phil, what's going on? Have you finally lost what was left of your mind? A penis episode, <laughs> and apologies if you're trying to listen to this at work or something. Uh, no, I haven't finally lost it. it least I don't think so. Uh, it's been taking me a while to put together new episodes, and I've been accumulating stories that I never got around to including on the show, and I noticed that a few of them have something in common or share a common thread. Yep, that's right. They're all about penises. And so, given my irreverent sense of humor, I'm like, let's package, no pun intended, all of them together into a single episode. And so with the exception of one particular story, these are all going to be outside the usual wheelhouse of religion, but I've been covering politics and a lot of kind of stressful stuff on the show lately, so I'm like, why not? Let's just do a silly, light-hearted, penis-themed episode. <laughs> and so this first one involves Alex Jones. And just a quick recap regarding my personal take or feelings on Alex Jones— I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I nevertheless find conspiracy theories fascinating. And like a lot of people, including a lot of fellow skeptics, I've always loved watching Alex Jones just for the pure entertainment factor. He's so wild and over the top that he's just really fun to watch. Of course, things took a dark and serious turn when he started pushing Sandy Hook conspiracy theories, which led some of his more unhinged listeners or viewers to go and harass the parents of dead children, and that did forever affect or mar how I view Jones. And then I was just recently reading how Alex Jones may have facilitated that January 6th pro-Trump rally that preceded the siege on the Capitol, in the sense that supposedly he acted as a kind of middleman or go-between and helped, as strange as it might sound, the heiress of the Publix, I almost said pubics, uh, supermarket dynasty or fortune, uh, donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to help fund the rally. In fairness to Jones, I don't know if he was egging on his listeners or not, or if he had any idea that the rally might culminate in a violent siege on the Capitol. I don't know. But despite all that stuff, here and there I'll see a, a clip that's so entertaining it makes me say, I wish I knew how to quit you, Alex Jones. <laughs> the Drunken Peasants recently played this particular clip on their show, which made me assume it was recent, but it turns out it's actually about two years old. But it's funny enough that I'm going to play it anyway. Here we go. There's no video of President Trump sucking a ding-dong. And so what if there was? That's a lot better than World War III, Owen. I never sucked any ding-dongs. But I'll tell you, if they were going to blackmail me to start World War III about one, I'd say, hey, I sucked a ball, golf ball through a freaking garden hose. Didn't you already tell Der Spiegel that? Now, the son of a bitch walked in there in my own office when I had splattered stuff on myself and I was changing shirts. He goes, oh, that's a good shot. Let's get your shirts. And then he goes... I go, hey, have some of this chicken and sausage. So technically, I said, Jones offered me his sausage. Yeah, give me a break, you son of a bitch. I like women, not men. And if I like men, I'd be proud of it. I'd have a line of them. But I ain't ever been in bed with no man. I've been in bed with probably 300 women. 
that you sons of bitches sit there and you play these games and I'm sick of it. So. <laughs> and so I think Jones was saying he would lie and say he sucked a ding dong to avoid being blackmailed. But when I first heard that clip, I thought that Jones was saying that he'd suck a ding dong to prevent World War Three. And I was thinking, despite being a staunch supporter of the LGBTQ community, and although there's absolutely nothing wrong with sucking a ding-dong, I have to sadly admit that I personally, as a straight theist, would not be willing to suck a ding-dong, even in order to prevent World War III. I think I'd be like, eh, humanity, we had a good run. I'll be down here in this bunker. Let me know if anyone survives. Uh, but Alex Jones, man, he's changing his shirt. Suddenly there's chicken and sausage involved. Uh, whatever you think of him, uh, definitely an oddly entertaining guy. And so next, I'm going to play a clip of Kyle Kalinske from Secular Talk discussing Andrew Yang's position on circumcision and the potential political fallout. So this next story is incredible for a number of reasons. It's from the New York Post. Andrew Yang's anti-circumcision stance cuts deep Jewish leaders. Phenomenal pun. Phenomenal pun. I'm going to give you that that pun was something else. Okay? That was solid. Um, but you read the article, and the article, you know, in a pretty straightforward way, says Andrew Yang has a, an anti-circumcision stance. He's actually, it's actually not as hardline as they're making it sound. He still believes in the freedom for, you know, people to choose what to do, but he says, I, I, make, I actively make the argument against circumcision. He says originally he wanted to circumcise his kids, and then I believe his wife um, showed him the other side of the argument and made the case, and he was convinced by the arguments from his wife. And so he said this publicly, and this is viewed, I, I, again, I find it amazing, but this is viewed as like a, you know, as like a controversial stance. Now, I get it. He's going to run for New York City mayor, and there's a very large Jewish community, Orthodox Jewish community as well, in in uh, New York City. And so, you know, that might not be his constituency because the hardcore Orthodox ones, it's, it's part of the culture, and there's a ritual around it. And, you know, there's actually really, it's, it's kind of sketchy if you want to know the truth, because there's plenty of examples of, like, I believe the rabbi, so they cut off the tip of the baby dick, the circumcision, and then the rabbi, in some traditions, the, the real fundamentalists, the real Orthodox Jews, the rabbi will suck the tip of the baby dick off. And there have been instances, there's, every year, some babies die from this procedure. Because some of the rabbis have given the babies herpes and the babies have passed away. I think it's like at least a dozen every year. At least a dozen babies die every year from circumcision and from the ritual around it. I'm all in favor of religious freedom. But am I going to judge that? Oh, you bet your ass I'm going to judge that. Do I think that individual freedom and civil liberties and personal sovereignty override religious freedom? Yes. Does the the person who's doing the circumcision have a right to suck the tip of the baby dick? No. Would I ban that today? Yes. And if you disagree with that, 
you can scream anti-Semitism all you want, but that is honestly the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's not anti-Semitic. It's not anti-Semitic to say you're against sucking the tips of baby dicks. <laughs> Go ahead, make the argument. <laughs> and let me, let me know how that goes for you. Yeah, and so this is a bit of a minefield. On the one hand, you don't want to come across as anti-Semitic by denouncing an ancient Jewish religious practice, but at the same time, you don't want to ignore the fact that said practice is unnecessarily causing harm to infants and even exposing them to disease. Uh, because Kyle's right, there have been cases of Orthodox rabbis or moyles passing herpes to freshly, shall we say, circumcised infants. Uh, I'm not sure if Kyle's right about the moil removing the foreskin with his mouth. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, the way I've heard it described is that they use their mouth to draw the blood out from the wound. Uh, either way, it definitely doesn't sound too hygienic or sanitary. In fairness, it should be mentioned that I believe this is kind of a hardcore orthodox thing and that most Jews don't include this controversial practice as a part of the bris. Uh, but America is very strange in the sense that, sure, there are subsets of the population, Muslims and Jews, who practice circumcision for religious reasons. But it's also been a standard practice in general for quite some time. You can go back as early as the 19th century, and there were quacks. Well, they may not have seemed like or have been considered quacks at the time. But you had doctors, etc., who were promoting circumcision for supposed hygienic and medical or corrective behavioral reasons. Uh, there was this puritanical idea that circumcision could help prevent masturbation and tamp down or curb sexual desire. And one of the people pushing this idea was Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. Yeah, as in the serial. In order to curb masturbation and sexual desire, he promoted circumcision without anesthesia for boys and for girls or women. He recommended applying pure carbolic acid to the clitoris, and in some cases, even surgically removing the clitoris. And I think circumcision in the U.S. reached the height of its uh, popularity in the 1970s. I think by the 70s, about 80 to 85 percent of American males were circumcised. And I was actually born in the 70s. I know I'm old. And I had, uh, will still have, they're not dead yet, knock on wood, uh, two older brothers. And my parents didn't have the oldest brother circumcised, but they had the next one circumcised. And they claimed his screams were so loud that they vowed if they ever had another son that they wouldn't have him circumcised. And then I was born. And true to their word, they didn't have me circumcised. And circumcision was so commonplace when I was growing up, and yet no one ever talked to me about it. I came from an old-school Catholic family where people didn't really talk about sex or your reproductive anatomy. And even in health classes at school, circumcision or foreskins were never mentioned. So I walked around thinking I was a freak. I didn't know why I had this extra skin on my thing when other people didn't. And it interfered with a number of my early sexual experiences because I was afraid to let girls see it because I was so self-conscious. 
And so even when I learned about circumcision and learned that some people are and some people aren't, it was kind of too late. I already had this deeply ingrained neurotic hang-up about it. So when I was about 19 or so, I got or underwent an adult circumcision. I've mentioned this on the show before and received all sorts of criticism. I remember one person in general asking what kind of person willingly has themselves mutilated or something to that effect. And I'm like, geez, take it easy. I may have legally been an adult, but I was also, you know, an insecure, mixed-up kid with body issues. But I'm pretty much simpatico with Kyle and Andrew Yang. I think, generally speaking, circumcision is a largely negative and unnecessary practice. There are some instances where it may be necessary or beneficial, like in the case of certain medical conditions like phimosis or balanitis. And there is evidence that in certain parts of the world, namely sub-Saharan Africa, circumcision has been shown to significantly lower the risk of HIV infection. But generally speaking, it's a rather barbaric practice that should probably be, you know, avoided or phased out. And I think morally or ethically it's problematic in the sense that you're inflicting unnecessary surgery on beings too young to consent. But on to the next story. So I stumbled upon this one weeks ago, and I think it was actually the morning after the siege of the Capitol. That thing just keeps coming up no matter how much I try to get away from politics or whatever. Um, so like every morning, I opened up the Apple News app on my iPad and expected to be greeted by a bunch of heavy, serious news articles having to do with the siege. And all of a sudden, I see a CNN article in my feed entitled, New Children's TV Show Stars Man with a Huge Penis. And I had to kind of do a double take. I remember kind of laughing to myself. I was like, what the... And I had one of those weird moments where, you know, you find something to be really funny, so you post it to social media, expecting other people to find it funny, but it's just, you know, crickets. Um, you know, I found the, the whole thing to be kind of wildly amusing because of how outrageous the headline was and because how, you know, inappropriate and absurd the whole concept was. A children's show that focuses on the main character's incredibly long schlong or whatever. Uh, but my finding it funny shouldn't be mistaken, you know, for acceptance or approval. I'm not a parent, but I'm pretty good at imagining myself in other people's shoes. And so if I had a young kid and I saw them watching a show featuring a character who wrangles circus animals with his penis or whatever, I'd probably be thinking, okay, it's time to change the channel. Uh, but that's why it's funny, because the whole thing is so outrageous. And so I posted the link both to my personal Facebook page and the Facebook page for the show. Um... No one on my personal page reacted to it, and I think one person on the Weekend Out Facebook page gave it, you know, kind of a laugh-out-loud emoji. I had to do, like, a quick little personal inventory. I'm like, am I the only one who finds this funny? Did I wake up in a parallel universe where outrageously inappropriate crap, you know, no longer elicits laughter or amusement? But you never know what people are going to like on social media or how they're going to react. You know, you might post something that you don't expect to really get much of a reaction and you get inundated with likes. Then you might post like a meme you stumbled upon that really made you like laugh and you think it's going to get all this attention. And, you know, it's just crickets. I probably care way too much about that kind of thing. It's like, give me them likes, baby. I need that dopamine hit. But a lot of experts have talked about that, how 
we really can get kind of addicted to that kind of you know, that dopamine reward or fix we get from positive attention online or whatever, or social media likes. And then when you don't get it, you know, it can kind of um, impact your mood negatively or whatever. Uh, But anyway, I'll read a bit from the article. And so, yeah, once again, this is from CNN, and it's dated January 7th. So, yeah, it was the day after that, uh, the siege on the Capitol or whatever. And it's entitled, New Children's TV Show Stars Man with Huge Penis. Denmark's flagship broadcaster has suffered blowback. I wonder if that was intentional, blowback, over its newest children's TV program. John Dillermond, an animation starring a man with a penis so massive and flexible it can save children from danger, fetch objects from a river, and operate as a pogo stick. The show, whose 13 episodes are available to watch on the DR Network's website, follows its titular character. I'm so juvenile, titular. Um, Anyway, as he navigates an array of unexpected scenarios caused by his inexplicably huge genitalia. In episode one, for instance, the mustache Dillermond, and that reminds me, I think I said something like on uh, Facebook when I posted the length. Wow, what a very apt Freudian slip. That was not planned. I did just accidentally say uh, when I posted the link. But when I posted the link, um, it had a picture, an embedded image from the, you know, of the cartoon. I think it's like stop stop action animation. But it has a picture of the character, and it looks like a middle-aged guy with like a big mustache. So I said basically a show about Ron Jeremy. Come on, man, that was comedy gold. But yeah, in episode one, for instance, the mustache Dillermond uses his gigantic stripy organ as a stripy organ as a lead for his dog, but quickly finds himself inundated with requests from his neighbors to take their pets out for a walk, too. At another point in the show, he is stuck floating in midair after balloons are tied to his groin. In another episode, he breaks a friend's vase with his penis and must raise money to pay them back. In a third, he uses it to steal an ice cream at the zoo. The show's opening montage also shows his using his genitals to keep a lion away from a group of children. The show is generally met with hilarity in Denmark and across the internet, with many praising it as appropriate and light as as an appropriate and lighthearted way to teach children about the human anatomy. But some took issue with the main character's central trait. Danish politician Morten Messerschmidt, I think it is, a member of the right-wing Danish People's Party, said children should not be forced to watch a cartoon depiction of an adult man's groin. And the article goes on for a bit, but I'll stop there. And so as indicated by the article, it looks like despite the initial controversy, the show has been rather well received. And as inappropriate as the concept or premise is, I guess if I was going to play devil's advocate, and this is something that I've heard others say in defense of the show, uh, maybe you could say that genitals are just another part of the human anatomy and they don't always have to be viewed as sexual. And I've heard people also try to make the point that this kind of show, a show that doesn't portray genitals or certain parts of the anatomy as being shameful, might help kids be more comfortable with their own anatomy. Uh, but even as I'm saying all this, it still seems weird to me. And I remember half-jokingly thinking to myself, 
Um, a lot of guys end up being self-conscious about size, and you're gonna raise them on a TV show that features a main character with a penis as long as a fire hose. Uh, what's that gonna do for their self-image? Uh, but who knows, maybe if they had a show like this when I was a kid, uh, where the main character lassos stuff with his foreskin, I wouldn't have felt like a circus freak for being uncircumcised. Uh, but what's next? A character who devours planets with their butthole? Uh, world's gone plum crazy. I've got one more thing. It's just the clip of the guys at the H3H3 podcast, uh, Ethan and Hila. Is it Hila or Hila? And the gang talking about legendary televangelist Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts is, is sort of the godfather um, of this whole thing of televangelism. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, his name's Oral. Is that his real name? I, I mean, I believe so. It's like one Damn. of those old timing hey, names hey. that nobody that's like, goes that's by. That like, sounds good as a name. It's not right. <laughs> what? Are, that's like me having a kid and naming him like uh, uh, anal. Anal. <laughs> exactly, Ela. <laughs> what am I gonna have a son and name him anal? It's <laughs> <laughs> just ridiculous. Well said. Cool. Copeland ends up landing a job flying a plane for Earl Roberts, the founder Anal of the university. Roberts. Earl Roberts was a big deal back in his day. He's considered the godfather of prosperity gospel. And uh, so I guess with that, I'll call this episode a wrap. As always, thanks for listening, everyone. You guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page, can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe we're doing that now. If you'd like to support what I do here, if you approve of it, this has been a pretty kind of wild episode. Uh, you can, uh, can help the show out for as little is 99 cents a month by going to patreon.com slash the weekend out all right everyone uh thanks brothers and sisters until uh until next time